Hello, hello, hello. Bailey Bridge Campus, how y'all doing? Good, yes, they're awake. I love it. You guys are ready to roll, aren't you? Awesome, awesome. Do me a favor. I don't do this often, but look at your neighbor and tell them, I prayed you'd get to sit next to me today. Look at you guys. Y'all are so proud of yourselves, aren't you? <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, it's good to be here. My name is Barry. I am the campus pastor, actually, for our other campus. You, you know, Pastor Stan often preaches at the 9 here, runs over for the 10, and then he's back here for the 11. So today is my joy to do that. Um, but I'm normally at Mosley campus. We meet at Cosby High School, 10 o'clock service. So hello. If you don't know me, I'm Barry. Nice to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sitting in, listening. Thanks for seeing, like, when it wasn't Pastor Stan that came up. Thanks for not running out, all right? That, that was thoughtful. That was really thoughtful. He'll be back uh, in the pulpit next week. And you guys know we have an amazing pastor who can bring the word, who can preach with authority. I told him, I said, if I can preach half as good as you, man, then I'll consider myself lucky and blessed. And so we, I, I think it's important to give honor. I don't know if you guys believe this or not, but not only for the person, but for us to know that we, that we should give honor to the person who is in spiritual authority over us. It's an important part of, of, of us being submitted to spiritual authority. And so I thought in, in a way to honor him this morning, it would be really cool if we could pray for him. You guys, you guys cool with that? Let's pray for him. Lord, we just thank you this morning for our pastor. Lord, we love him. Lord, we're grateful for him. We're th- we're, we thank you that you sent him to us to shepherd us and Lord, we thank you that he meets with you, that he seeks your face, and that he seeks the desires that you seek for this church. I thank you that he is a humble servant of yours who seeks to do your will. I thank you that he inspires us to action and he encourages us to be people who share our faith, to be people who take our relationship with God seriously, who spurs us on toward life and godliness. Lord, I pray you would be with him this weekend and as he gets ready to travel back and and, and gets ready to prepare for this next series that's coming up. Lord, Put a word in him. Speak through him, God, and use him in a mighty, mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks for joining me in that. And then lastly, real quick before I kind of get into the meat of it, uh, you guys know we do FPU pretty soon, Financial Peace University. I think Pastor Trevor said there was about 1,000 people so far who are going to be a part of it. And so it's going to be this really cool, pretty much church-wide thing that we're doing. My kids have already kind of felt the brunt of it a little bit because, you know, your kids will be going through it in kids' church, and then your students will be going through it in youth group. Uh, so my kids have kind of heard about it. They've, they've, they've felt the tightening up of our family as we kind of started doing it. Um, you find out who the spenders are and who the savers are when you start this together. So be ready, all right? Some of you already know. You're probably your elbow and your spouse already. But my kids, I found out who my spenders and my savers were. Holly Lynn, my 11-year-old, said, oh, Dave Ramsey has us tied up in a knot. <laughs> my 9-year-old son is excited about the fact that he gets to do it the right way, and he's excited that he's going to one day be a millionaire, which is what I told him. I was like, man, if you do it right, you can be a millionaire one day. And so he's excited about that. Holly's just, just sad that she can't spend as much, and we don't go out to eat quite as much anymore. But it'll be good. It'll be good. So, so be excited. If you're not signed up yet, make sure to get signed up and be a part of that, cloverhill.church slash students, if you're, you know where to find it. All right, let me get started. So... Um, I've been married for about 13 years, and um, my wife, yeah, I don't look that old, right? <laughs> my, so my, about 13 years ago, my wife um, was, you know, she used to try to, like, make dinner and kind of have it ready by the time I got home. I was at VCU and working at SunTrust uh, at the time, and so I was putting in about 30 hours probably at SunTrust and probably either 9 or 12 credit hours uh, at VCU, and so she would try to time dinner to when, when I got home. You know, really sweet, really great intentions. Um, had a great heart behind her, 
uh, behind what she was doing. And, you know, it's really good stuff. And you guys should all say, oh, at that. That's really good. The thing is, is this particular night, I got home and, and there was chicken on the plate and there was some broccoli on the plate and there was some potatoes on the plate, mashed potatoes. And it's important to know that we don't necessarily do mashed potatoes the way your grandmother did mashed potatoes. Like we don't peel the potatoes and boil them and smash them up and make sure that there's no lumps left in them. We just buy the little bag, you know, at Walmart that has the flakes in it. And so there's a certain way that you have to prep it. And if you prep it right, then they're going to be delicious every single time and they're not going to have lumps ever. All right, and so that's the way that we went about it. And I did ask her for permission to share this. So let me just preface with that. I do not need marriage mentors at this point, all right? So this, this evening I got home, and, and, uh, and we sat down to eat, and we take, <laughs> we take a mouthful, a spoonful of potatoes. And I'm not lying to you when I tell you that these potatoes tasted like the Atlantic Ocean. They were salty as all get out. What happened was... If you follow the directions, you're just supposed to add a little teaspoon of salt, right? And it's going to make them great. It's going to give them this great, perfect flavor to them. But if you add a cup of salt to it, it's going to destroy them, all right? And so this particular night, the potatoes got destroyed by a cup of salt just because she didn't follow the directions. Again, she had the best intention. She had a great heart behind what she was doing. She just wanted to fix dinner for her man. Aw, right? (laughs) But she colossally screwed it up with a cup of salt, all right? And again, I've got, I've got permission to share all this, so don't look at me like, oh, he's in trouble, because I'm not. All right, so from that story, we can learn that a pure motive paired, pure motive paired with poor execution, so you can have the best intentions, but do it the wrong way and yield bad results, all right? She had the great intention of making these incredible potatoes, didn't quite do it right, they were disgusting, all right? Does that make sense? You kind of follow that? So, So today, I kind of want to use that in the frame of mind in your approach to your workplace. You know, it's Labor Day weekend, and, you know, a lot of us are off on Labor Day. Some of you, if you're in retail, you might have to work or doctors or whatever, but a lot of us are off, and we're thinking about work, I guess, a little bit, getting back kind of to the grind. Vacations are done. And so today, we're going to look at this kind of this saltiness aspect of life. When it, when it, as it pertains to us in our workplace ministry, because you know that you're not where you are by an accident, right? Like, you know that. Like, God's placed you where you are for a purpose, for a time such as this. And so we can, we can colossally screw things up if we don't approach things correctly, but we can, man, we can colossally invest in people if we do things the right way. And so what I'd like to do is share a passage with you. And this is kind of the main passage for the day. It's out of Colossians chapter 4. If you're following along, if you want to read along, it should be on the screen or in your Bible. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And it's Paul writing to the Colossian church, and he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now you see he's in chains, he's in bondage, but he's still worried about his witness. He's still worried about having open doors and opportunities to share with the jailers, to share, to share with the other people who are in jail with him. Like he's still being mindful of the calling that, that, that God has placed on his life as an apostle, as an, as an ambassador of Christ, which we all are. By the way, he says, well he doesn't say by the way, I wrote that in my own notes because I just feel like it's a by the way moment. It's almost like to me he's saying, hey, pray for me in this. By the way, you need this too. So he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. 
And then it's like, well, how do we do that? He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, not cups of salt, not, not full cups, seasoned, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So he's saying, be refreshing, be tasteful, have the preserving properties of salt in your witness and in your life. Go about things in the right way. Make the most of every opportunity so that when someone asks you, you'll be able to share the hope that you have in Christ. That's kind of the approach that he's taking. So today I want to look at kind of these three levels of saltiness. You know, we could, we could take cups of salt and blast people in the face with them. I don't know how effective that's going to be. I venture to say not very, but you may disagree. We may also go into a situation, and my wife didn't do this, but what if she had left out the salt altogether? It would have been real bland. It would have been real basic. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been tasty then either. But by adding, by being seasoned with salt, we're then becoming something tasty, something that people want to be a part of, something that, something that doesn't push people aside, something that isn't conformed to the patterns of the world, but something that people can enjoy. And, and that's the approach I want to take today. So I want to look at this kind of this oversalted approach, this bland or undersalted approach, and then this seasoned with salt approach. All right? So the oversalted Typically, in this context that I'm, that I'm speaking of today, what they do is they overemphasize the sin issue. They overemphasize what people in their lives are doing wrong. They, they, they tend to see the negative aspects of it. And, um, and they underemphasize the value of the person. They underemphasize the heart behind the person who's going through a difficult time. And what we see in Scripture is the people who are kind of notorious for this is, is the Pharisees. Remember the, the religious leaders of that day who felt like it was their job to really protect um, the status quo of the religion? Their intention, right, they, I kind of think they had a good intention. They wanted to protect their belief system, which I think they felt was, was important and was good. Their problem was that they missed Christ, who was the complete fulfillment of their belief system. And so what they did was, in this specific story where, they, where the woman was caught in adultery, it's in John chapter 8, they dragged this lady out, and they, they, uh, they're prepared to stone her. And a lot of you guys are familiar with this passage. They're getting ready to stone this woman, and, and they bring her to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, you know what? This lady was caught in adultery. What should we do? And they're trying to trap him because, you know, he didn't come to condemn the world but, but to bring life. And so they want to trap him because if he says condemn her and stone her, then he's kind of opposing what he's been teaching but he can't just let her go free, can he? Because then there's no consequence for sin. So what he does is he actually acknowledges the sin in her life, but still speaks to the heart of the person. And so, he's, he, so he starts with the Pharisees, and he says, hey, for those of you who have never sinned, why don't you guys go ahead and cast the first stone? Go ahead and throw her. Go ahead and, go ahead and throw him and beat her to death. If, if you've never sinned, you go ahead and you take that approach. That would be the oversalted approach. And the Bible says they kind of looked around, and one by one they, they dropped the rocks and, and wandered off knowing that, hey, we don't have any right to do that because we too, we too have sinned. We too have messed up. And then he looks at the woman and he says, hey, where are your accusers at? Where'd they go? And she says, well, they've all left. Well, and then he says, well, neither do I accuse you. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so he speaks to the heart of the person, but he also acknowledges the fact that she was doing wrong and she has an opportunity now to do right. But the oversalted approach doesn't, doesn't really take that approach. The oversalted approach is condemning, blast salt, Cups of salt in the face, in the face of, of, uh, of the woman. Pour salt on an open wound is, is hurtful and hateful. But we learn from Jesus that he protected the sinner. He encouraged her to go and sin no more, wanting the best for her. The Pharisees were disgusted. And so we need to look at our lives and say, am I more concerned about protecting my belief system than I am loving people? Do I jump in every single debate because people need to know where I stand on this? Do they need to know 
Do they need to know right now everything that's right about my stance and everything that's wrong about, about their stance? And, and, and my argument today is that that approach can be, can, can be over-salted, can sometimes be like salt on an open wound, can sometimes be you throwing salt, cups of salt in the face of people. It, it, it can come across at times to our, to our peers, to our coworkers, to our friends at school um, in, this judgmental, in this judgmental way, even though, again, our intention is not that way. But we can have the best intentions and poor execution and yield poor results. And so I think the, one of the important things for us to look at is our own life and to remember where it is that we came from. You know, we sing that song where, where it talks about Jesus, where he left the 99 and he pursued the one. It's important for us to remember that we too at one point were the one that, that, Jesus, that, you know, that Jesus came for. At one time, he left another group of people. He left the other 99 and pursued the one. And so we have an opportunity now to join Christ, to join Jesus, to join the Holy Spirit in his effort. For whatever reason, he's decided to partner with us and to use us faulty people to reach others. And so we have an opportunity to forget about, to forget about uh, judgmental uh, approaches and to just love people, to see the heart of people. Will there be times later on to address sin? Absolutely, there will be. But we can let the Holy Spirit do the convicting, can't we? We can let the Holy the Spirit of God, we can trust God to convict the hearts of men and women as he sees needed and then use us in amazing ways as we make ourselves available. So you remember in, in Paul, he had, he had written, he said, Pray that God may open the door for our message. I think we need to remember also that we can't kick open the door, right? It's not our, it's not our job to blast open the door, throw cups of salt, and karate chop people in the throat, and then thump them on the head with the Bible, all right? Or your phone with the Bible app on it, all right? No Bible thumping. Like, we just need to share Christ. We just need to love people. We just need to stand at the door and knock, knock with Christ at the door of their hearts, make ourselves available, become people who are, who are well-seasoned, that people like to be a part of. We're not bland. We're not overdone. We're well-seasoned, all right? You also need to know that keeping it to yourself is dangerous. So a lot of us like to say, you know what? I'll approach, I'll approach it like this. I'll let my actions speak louder than my words. And actions are powerful. Actions are good. But they aren't everything, all right? You know the Bible? There's a reason the Bible tells us that, that, um, that there's power. In, uh, the power of life and death is in the tongue, all right? God has called us to speak out to use our mouths, to use our mouths for the glory of God. There's no, there's no greater joy that we have when, someone's, that, than when someone is going through a situation that either we've been through or that we can relate to or we know someone else, or even if we haven't been through it, we know the answer. We know Jesus. He's the hope. He's the rescuer. And so when someone begins to pour out their life to us, when we've, when we've become people who are available to others, when we're not approaching with this oversalted approach, when we're well-seasoned and people are wanting to hear from us, wanting to spend time with us, we're going to have those opportunities uh, to share and to, and to invest. And as we open up our mouths, we're going to see people's, man, you're just going to see their heart kind of get lifted up. You're going to see the hopeless turn to hopeful. Those who thought that they were lost and uh, maybe their marriage was going down the wrong path, maybe they're going to be suffering from this addiction forever. Uh, maybe they're in a, in, a, in a mental battle. Maybe there's anxiety, depression. Maybe their nerves are just going nuts. And, and you don't necessarily associate with all of that, but you know the answer because you know Christ. And, be, and because you've made yourself available to them, because you've been a person in their life who's well-seasoned, you now are now a safe place that they can trust and a, and a person that they'd be willing to listen to. But in order for them to listen, you've got to be willing to speak. Remember, we are like, we're like, we, we are fountains that God uses, he, he pours his spirit through us so that our spirit can come out and be used, used by God. There's an illustration that I read the other week. It was about this village, this mountaintop village. 
And they had this awesome stream of clean water. And what, what happened was they got word that there was a village further down the mountain that was benefiting from what they thought was their clean water. And, and they got upset about it, and, and they, they closed off the water flow to the, to the, so, it, so it would no longer go down the mountain, and the other village would no longer be able to benefit from it. But what happened was, as, as, the, as they did that, in time, their water became stagnant. They actually poisoned themselves by not sharing the blessing that they had received. And so if we had this live, this spirit, John seven thirty eight, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. If we've got a spirit of living water that was designed to flow from within us, and we close it off because we're not willing to speak, and we're not, we're not allowing the river, this river to flow through, the stream of living water to flow through us, if we close that off, our hearts are going to become callous. We're going to rob our neighbors. We're going to rob our coworkers and our peers of what God wants to do in their lives. Remember, they're still the one. They're still the one that God pursues. We can't rob them. So, so, and so as the village opened it back up, of course, they had the benefit of the water. And then the, 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 the village down further had the, had the benefit of the water. And that's how the gospel works. That's how the Spirit of God works. As it goes through us, as it goes through us, we stay full, we stay healthy, and others reap the benefit of that as well. So have you lost your joy? Man, release the flow by sharing Christ. Have you forgotten your purpose? Release the flow by serving others. Have you lost your peace? Release the flow by taking your anxieties to God through prayer and through worship. Because our goal, what we really, really, really want to do, is we want to be these refreshing watermelons. Do you guys see this? Yeah. Oh, oh. All right. That's okay. It's refreshing. Okay. It's a living water. Be okay with it. All right. So th- check this out. Who doesn't love watermelon, right? Don't raise your hand if you don't. That doesn't work for this application. Everyone loves watermelon, okay? And you know what makes watermelon that much better? A little salt. Anybody agree with that? Yeah, we got, I know, I know some of you, yes. Well, some very strong agreeing people. I like that. That helps a lot with this illustration too. I know some of you may not agree, but you know what? You're wrong, all right? So all it takes, we, we have an option. We have an option. We could take this watermelon and we could dump a cup of salt on it, and that would be disgusting, all right? Or we could just eat it the way it is in a bland, ordinary, mushy, watermelon kind of way, and that would be disgusting. Or we could take a little bit of salt, a seasoning of salt, and add just a touch to it. That was too much. You know how salt shakers come out a little faster than you expected? Pretend like that was the perfect amount, all right, for this illustration. We put the perfect amount of seasoning on, on this watermelon. It suddenly becomes this tasty, refreshing thing that we all want to be a part of. I mean, I'm shocked that you're not racing to the stage right now to rip this watermelon from me and to begin to devour it because it is so refreshing. It would be an amazing addition to your life right now. And we have an opportunity as we are seasoned with salt to be the people that others come running to, to be the people that God wants to use in our workplaces and in our schools and in whatever environment that God places you on whatever day, in whatever marketplace, you can be a refreshing watermelon to this community. You can be some, when someone walks into the place and there's a watermelon on a plate, you're like, hey, can I have some of that? You can be that guy. You can be 
You can be the person that everybody just wants a little taste of. Man, I just want to be around that guy because he makes me feel like there's hope for me. He makes me feel like something good is in this world. There's still something good taking place. And there's a guy at, our camp, at, at the Mosley campus. His name is Dave. And he, um, he's a part of this, I forget the name of it, but it's like this, uh, you know where the McGuire Veterans Hospital is? There's like this uh, nursing home kind of thing like nearby. And he oversees like the therapist aspect of it. Like if people get injured, they go through some rehab, stuff like that. And uh, when this guy walks into that place, we had lunch. We had lunch two months ago, I guess. And uh, he, was, he was sharing his story. And I was like, well, take me over there. Let's go check it out. Let me walk through it with you. And I just want to see what it's all about, see what you're doing. When this guy walked through the door, I felt like I was with a rock star. I mean, people were like high-fiving him. There was a guy who like raced over in his wheelchair and like wanted to tell him a make fun of him and tell him a joke about himself. And it was just this, this moment where everywhere we went, like people at the front desk were saying, hey Dave, hey Dave. Like everybody wanted to be a part of Dave, this refreshing watermelon who was well seasoned with salt. Because the idea is he was, he was doing a Bible study on Wednesday nights after he got off work. He was pouring his life into people. He was being the refreshment that we all have an opportunity to be as we seek to make God known in other people's lives. And so everywhere he went, like people knew he was, he's not an official chaplain, I don't think, but, it, but people knew that he shared the gospel. People knew what he stood for. He was, he, whether they believed in God or not, he was a refreshment in the lives of people and in the lives of everybody that he encountered. And I got to benefit from just hanging out with him. And so he's introducing me as his campus pastor. And, and I'm just like, I'm a, I left that place so encouraged and so amazed by, man, if just one person decides to submit to what God wants to do in their workplace, look what can happen. Like, what? look what can happen. Like, a culture can be changed. Maybe you're like, man, my department sucks. Like, our culture is terrible. Well, you know what? You are the light that was meant to go into a dark place, and a light shines really bright in the dark. So maybe you need to become the light that God's called you to be. Maybe you need to be the refreshing watermelon, perfectly seasoned with salt, perfectly full of grace, ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you every time that you encounter people in your life, in your workplace, in your school. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light shine that people will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It has never been easier to do that. Never been easier to do that. The, the tiniest, smallest things, the bar is set so low right now, guys. Like the, the smallest thing that you may choose to do in the name of Christ is going gonna, is gonna to have exponential, it's going to just have great reach to illustrate it. Just the other week, I saw a news article where the whole article was built around this one person who found a bag of money on the side of the road and took it back to the bank. <laughs> the bank's name was on the money, was on the money bag, and they returned it. They returned it to the bank. Like, that's the news now. People aren't stealing is now news. All right? So, so what if we begin to just do little teeny small things to encourage other people, little little. I mean, what if you just took a cup of Wawa coffee on Tuesday morning to, to one of your coworkers, one of your best buds at work, and just said, hey, man, scoop this up for you. Have an awesome week. Fist bump it. I'll see you. All right? Like, what if that's all you did? You know what would happen? They would write news articles about you because that stuff apparently isn't happening. Like, if people aren't stealing gets the news, like, you... Loving on people, inspiring people, seeking to speak into people's life is going to be huge news. You guys know who Geraldo is? Yeah, that news guy? Like, Geraldo is going to be outside of your office on Tuesday morning saying, whoa, what just happened here? We are here live. We're not sure exactly what's going on. We're, let me talk to you. Tell us what happened. 
And then they start, start sharing how this one guy gave, gave coffee. And then let's pretend like that one guy is Pastor Trevor. As Pastor Trevor comes out of the office for lunch that day, Geraldo runs up to him and says, Pastor Trevor, why did you do it? Why did you bring coffee? And he's like, I don't know, man. The preacher on Sunday just told me I should just bring coffee, so I did it. And now I have an opportunity suddenly to share Christ with, with somebody. It's, it's like it's never been easier. It's so easy to do something so small, and it's going to get people's attention. And as you get their attention, you then have an opportunity you then have an opportunity to share. Amen? Yeah, good, good. One of the coolest opportunities to share, one, from, one of my favorites is the, uh, you guys remember the, the man born blind, and it's from John chapter 9. I would encourage you to actually read John chapter 9 today, tomorrow, at some point soon. Um, it's about the blind man who, who got healed. And remember after he gets healed, he kind of starts going around, and people recognize him like, isn't that the blind dude? And they're like, yeah, I think he is. Let's take him to the Pharisees because they seem to know what's best. All right. So they take him to the Pharisees and they're like, hey, weren't you born blind? What happened here? And he's like, hey, I ran into Jesus. He healed me. It was awesome. Wait, what do you mean, Jesus? We're going to take you to your parents. Let's validate this story. Hey, wasn't he born blind? Yes, he was born blind. Well, what happened? We don't know what happened. Why don't you ask him? We did ask him. Let's ask him again. I don't know. I once was blind. Now I see. He, and then they say, were you, were, you, um, were you healed by that sinner? And he goes, I don't know if he was a sinner, talking about Jesus. He says, but I once was blind, and now I see. All he knew he, was his own story. All he had to do was share his story, his perspective about what God had done in his life. And it spoke to the people around him. Can you imagine how many people came to belief through that one story, through that one miracle that Christ did? Like it must have transformed their entire community. I once was blind, but now I see. And we also have opportunities to share. But practical advice, be ready. we got to prepare ourselves now to share. That's why your testimony is so important. That's why your witness is so important. And the same way that a witness prepares for a testimony in a courtroom, it's called a deposition. They go into a little side room or whatever or meet with a lawyer beforehand and, and they give this, it's called this out-of-court testimony. It's their out-of-court deposition, their out-of-court testimony that they have prepared so that they've kind of walked through what the lawyer is going to ask them in that moment, and that way they're ready to share their witness. What if we left this place today or tomorrow, whatever, and began to, sh- and began to write out our deposition? What if we began to prepare our story in a 90-second way where when someone says, hey, man, you've been an encouragement in my life. I don't know why you bring me Wawa coffee once a week. I don't know why you do this. I don't know why you do that. I don't know why you serve your church that way. I don't know why you go to the food bank on a Saturday. I don't know why you're a part of this Crenshaw backpack program. I don't know why you do that. You'll be able to then say, here's why. You've already prepared your deposition. You've prepared your out-of-court testimony. That way, when the moment comes, you're ready to open your mouth and speak. I think a lot of us are held back by our fear of not knowing exactly what to say, but what you need to know is that as you begin to speak, that spirit, that living water begins to flow through through you because you're an obedient vessel that God begins using in your workplace and in your school. And I know sometimes people say, well, my story, it's just not very powerful. My testimony isn't powerful. And I would just say, au contraire, my seasoned watermelons. You have a powerful story. You have an amazing witness to share with people. If you're basing the power of your testimony on yourself, then yeah, I'd say your testimony is not very powerful. But the power of your testimony isn't based on the depth of your sin. It's based on the power of your rescuer. All right? And so it doesn't matter how far down you perceive that you were. You were rescued by someone all-powerful in every possible way. 
It doesn't matter what your perspective of different sins is, are, is. doesn't matter. <laughs> all that matters is that Christ is the greater rescuer. All right? Sin equals separation from God. And all it takes is any. All it takes is any. And so whether, you're, whether you think that drug addicts and whatever horrible people you can, they're not horrible people, I shouldn't even have said it. I shouldn't even give them a title. Whatever you think people are down here, but you were, but you were kind of up here and therefore your story's not very powerful because you didn't have as far to rise, know that that's garbage. Know that all of us were down here because sin separated all of us and all it took was any. And so if there was any aspect of, of your life that was sinful, which there was because we were all born with a sin nature, then you have been rescued you have been rescued to the same degree that anyone else has been rescued by. And so if you begin to live your life, and if you think that your testimony isn't powerful, what you need to do is get your eyes off of yourself, get your eyes off of your story, your specific story, and say, wow, Jesus left the throne of heaven. He didn't consider it, um, he didn't consider himself equal with God, but he left that place. He came to this earth. He died on a cross for my sins. He poured out his lifeblood for me. He was then resurrected by the Spirit of God. By the way, that same Spirit, the Word says, is alive and active within us. He's now in heaven preparing a place for you so that He can come again and rescue you completely. All right? But that same, that same rescue, that same power is now available to us. You know, how much more does God want to save the people of this? Uh, how much more does He love your family than you? He sent His Son to die on a cross for them. How much more does he love your coworkers than you love them? He sent his son to die on a cross for them. Man, this isn't magic. All God's asking is, can I find a person or two who's willing to stand up and represent me in their workplace? Can I get one stinking refreshing watermelon seasoned with a little bit of salt to go into the workplace on Tuesday morning and represent me? And as I begin to refresh others, I too will be refreshed. As the Spirit of God begins to flow through me, I'll have opportunities to share my story. You have a powerful story to tell because you have a powerful rescuer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus didn't instruct us just to go into the world and drag people to church. He told us to infiltrate this world. Where you are, where you work, where you go to school is not by accident. God wants to use you right there. And maybe you're like, well, I ain't making enough money. You know what? Work hard. Keep after it, bro. All right? Work hard, keep after it. Honor Christ and everything that he's called you to now. Be faithful in the small things. He himself will elevate you. Toward, toward greater things. But in the meantime, man, how important is our faithfulness? How important is our obedience? If we'll be faithful now, how much more is God going to use us then? If we'll do the small things now, how much greater will God use us as we begin to, to just submit ourselves to his lordship? You have an opportunity, man. You are interacting with people that I will never interact with. You're interacting with people that the person sitting next to you never interacts with. You are the light in a dark place. You carry with you the rescuer. You carry Jesus with you. His spirit, his power is upon you. You are a co-heir with Christ. You have authority to speak and see healings take place. The power of your tongue is able to inspire courage and faith in people. The Bible verse, the, the scripture, 
that you're able to share can transform someone's life, can give them hope that they did not have before. Not because you're amazing, but because God is amazing. This is the calling that he's placed on us. This is the high privilege and the responsibility that we have as ambassadors, as co-heirs, as fellow as fellow believers, man, let's encourage one another. Let's lock arms. Let's go to battle for this community. Let's take this community by storm. What if God wants to revive your entire workplace and all he's waiting is for one refreshing watermelon to walk through? Like, what if he just wants to start this little trickle effect because one person's willing to be seasoned with salt, full of grace, ready to give an answer to anyone who may ask, ready to share their story, ready to pour out their heart, ready to take somebody to lunch, ready to listen, ready to not look at the sin, but to look at the heart of the person who's going through a really, really tough time right now. What if God wants to use you that way? Man, I wish we could approach our lives like that. And I'm not just fussing. I'm like, I'm saying for me too, man. Everywhere I go, man, that's what, that's what I want to do. There's no greater call. People matter so much. Really, if you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, everything else burns. People, our spirits, we're eternal. Therefore, that's all that matters. There's nothing that you can accrue. There's nothing, there's no reputation that you should be more worried about. It should be loving people, loving God, not in that order. Loving God, loving people, pursuing Christ, sharing the gospel, representing Jesus as an ambassador with him everywhere that we go. But I've already blown it. People at work already know that I cuss. They already know me. Again, get your eyes off yourself. Try not to cuss as much, all right? Try not to cuss as much. Try to honor Christ. Try to represent God every, every possible way that you can. You're never going to be perfect, all right? And so if you're waiting for the moment where you're going to be like this perfect example for your coworkers and then it's going to be time, it ain't coming. And if it does, we'll just start calling you Jesus, all right? But it ain't coming because you're not Christ. You're not perfect. None of us are. We've all fallen short, but... We've all been redeemed. And the Bible says to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so if you're redeemed, it's time to do what? Say so. Man, y'all are sharp. 1 Peter three sixteen says, stay gentle, keep a clear conscience so that those who speak against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. If you're worried about people and what they think, stay gentle. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You've been messing up at work? You haven't been honoring Christ up to this point? Okay, there's grace for that. There's forgiveness for that. We've all fallen short. We've all messed up. But let's start now. Like, let's start now. Can we? Yeah, let's start now. Let's begin to honor Jesus and see what he wants to do through the power of our testimony, through his word, and through your encouragement. Who here wants to represent Christ in their workplace? Just raise your hand. Isn't that a trick question? Anybody want to? Yeah, some of y'all do? Good, good. Can y'all stand up with me? I want to pray. I know, I know. again, we might kind of have this internal battle. Like, again, it, it, it's a lot easier said than done. Look, I worked corporate America. I know, I know the struggle. I was there for 15 years. Like, I know it's hard sometimes to, to represent God in a dark place, but again, we're the light. That's the responsibility that we now carry on us. And so let's just be faithful. Let's go into that place. And maybe you're here and you're like, man, I just need a fresh start. Like, hey, I'm, I'm with you. I'm encouraged by what you're saying. But I feel like the Spirit of God is like convicting me of some stuff. And I want a fresh start. Awesome. That's so cool. I'm really happy to hear that. Because every single day we all need a fresh start. Every single day we all need to make a fresh commitment to serving Christ that day. Because we can choose, choose that day who we were going to serve. 
And I want every day to be a day where I'm serving Christ. I want every day to be a day where you're serving Christ. And so if you're here today, and I won't even ask you to raise your hand, but if you're here today and you're like, man, I've been messing up, I've been missing the mark, I've been falling short, I want to do what you're telling me to do, but I need some help. Guess what? You have a rescuer. He's willing to help you, and I want you to meet him. Remember, any sin separates, and so we, we got to get our sin issue right. Let's get it right right now. If that's you, if you're in this place and you're like, I need to be made right with Christ, I would just kind of pray a prayer like this. It's a prayer of repentance and a prayer of commitment. And don't repeat after me, but I would pray something like this. I would say, Lord, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you left your place in heaven, came to this earth, died on a cross for my sins. Lord, I want to turn from the way I'm going, from doing life my way. I want to repent of that, of that sinful path, and I want to turn toward you, God. I want to be set on a, on a solid foundation. Lord, I want your word to be my rock. I want to be made in right standing with you. God, I don't want there to be any sin that, that causes any separation from me and my God anymore. So God, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you cleanse me of, of my unrighteousness? Would you clothe me in the righteousness of Christ? You are the Lord. You are the authority in my life. I commit to you. I commit to follow you, Lord Jesus. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Now, God, I just want to thank you for those who, who made that decision this morning. Lord, for those who prayed that prayer or for those who didn't feel like they had to pray that prayer, but maybe, maybe they've been moved. Maybe they've been inspired towards something. God, we are your church. We are your people. You've called us to go out into this world and to make a difference. And, Lord, you've, called, you've, you've positioned us strategically in our workplaces, strategically in the places of business to infiltrate, to represent you wherever it is that we go. And, Lord, we just want to do it with faithfulness. We want to do it with obedience. God, we want to see revival take place. Like, how amazing would that be, God? And if we want it, how much more does the Spirit of God want it? And so, God, we are open vessels to be used by you. Lord, we want to be full of grace, seasoned with salt, ready to give an answer to everyone who asks. God, we want to be like this refreshing watermelon where everybody wants to be a part of what we are. Not because we're, not because we're good or we're great or we're cool or we're awesome, but God, because the Spirit of God resides in us. And people recognize there's something different about us. There's something different about us. And God, we're honoring you with our lives. And we want to see transformation take place in our community. We want to see it take place in our homes and in our families. We want to see it take place in our schools and in our workplaces. God, we want to see transformation take place in our state and in our nation. God, we want to turn back to you. God, we're your church. And if your people are called according to your name, if we would humble ourselves, if we would turn away from wickedness, Lord, you'll hear from heaven. You'll forgive us. You'll heal our hearts and you'll heal our land. Lord, your church is here today telling you we're ready to do it. It's got to be a work of your spirit, God, because we can't will our flesh into this. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Help us to lead others. Help us to be ambassadors for Christ. And we pray it all in Jesus' name.